you guys can take a seat. Um, I want to welcome you here to Fellowship Church. My name is Ladina Doherty. I am one of the assistant pastors here. I'm over operations. I do all the behind-the-scenes things. Sometimes they trust me with the microphone and I get to speak. So lucky you. You won the prize. Um, but before we kick off the message today, I want to talk about something that's happening right after service. I can't remember if we've already talked about it or not today, but I'm going to do it again. It's really something that we as a church are feeling very passionate about, very hard-pressed about, is that we want to start a school. Um, we want to be able to pour into this generation starting little till they grow big. And we really are passionate about our kids here. We are really passionate about teaching them in the way that they should go. And we are so grateful for all the teachers that attend here and everybody that gives for our children's education and pours into it. But we just know that God is calling us to help mold our kids after his heart. And so today, after service, it's just going to be a short, informal why we are doing this some help we need, people to come alongside of us, um, meeting right after church. It's going to be in the fir first couple rows, so I just want to invite you guys to join us if you are interested at all in that. doesn't mean you, maybe you don't have kids, but maybe you have a passion for kids and their future. So join us today right after church. Like I said, it's going to be short, um, but we just really want to give you guys information and have you guys partner with us to see how we can um, bless this generation coming up. Um, so Last week, Pastor Anthony talked about not giving up, and he talked about um, even when it's hard, not giving up, and the whole story of Moses is kind of like that, and so I have a great passage we're going to talk about today, but before that, I just want to say that last week, I was just like Pastor Anthony was talking about, I was really tempted just to like throw my hands up, and I know sometimes when I speak, I say that often, but it's true, and so, like, I was just like, I'm, I'm done with school, I just want to quit everything, I just want to go live in the mountains away from everybody, so God really was like, I don't think so, it's time for you to get off your butt and start getting to work, and so today is going to be just a continuance of that, so again, yay, woohoo, you won the prize, okay, so um, we're going to jump right in, we're going to be talking about in Exodus 7, 1 through 13, and when I was given this passage to speak on, well, I thought I was speaking on a whole different passage, so I had been, like, preparing my mind, and I've just been reading and studying, and like, oh, man, I can't wait to speak on this, and I tell Anthony, I'm so excited to speak about delegation, and how to, he's like, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> Good, all right, woo, good job, okay. So I did some really great, you know, theological studies of watching Prince of Egypt and singing, you're playing with the big boys now, and so we are ready to go for this passage. Just kidding, I didn't do that. I did watch the little clip of the video, okay, because you can't read this passage and not watch it, okay? All right, but Exodus 7, 1 through 13 says, And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go in his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and I will bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. That when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them, Moses and Aaron did so, and they did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron 83 years old. 
And when the Lord spoke to Pharaoh, then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, prove yourself by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, and it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Moses cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants and became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened and would not listen to them. And as the Lord said, just as the Lord has said, God, today as we read your word, I pray that you will soften our hearts. I pray that anybody in here today, God, that maybe has had just this kind of a hard heart, God, just this pl in a place of where they are just being beat down, God, that you will soften our hearts so that we can hear what you have for us today, God, because I know you have a word for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. There is a lot going on in this passage of scripture. And when I first started reading the scripture, I'm like, oh, I know this story. I know what's going on. Snakes. I hate snakes. Um, but there's a lot going on. And when I was going through it, God always surprises me when I read scripture because there's always something I see that I've never really saw before. That's what's so amazing about God's word. It's living. It's active. It's, it's alive. It's got amazing things in it. And so we need to be reading it. That's another sermon. All right. But let's break this down. So last week, God tells Moses, tell them I am sent you, that I am the Lord, that I sent you. But this week, God says, you are going to be like God to Pharaoh, and Aaron is going to be like your prophet, because Moses is God's prophet, and Aaron was going to be Moses' prophet. And so I just thought that was kind of interesting, that pointing that out, is that God told him, tell him, I sent you, but you are going to be my representation to Pharaoh. You are going to be like God to him. And just kind of pointing that out, that was interesting to me. Um, the next thing he says, you go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. You have Aaron do that. But guess what? I'm going to harden their heart. I bet he was like, yes, they're going to hate me even more. Because last week, they got uh, Pharaoh made it even harder for the people when he was like, Moses went to him. And Pharaoh's like, I'm going to make it harder for them. And the people were so angry and so mad. Can you just imagine what Moses was thinking? Now, I know what I would be thinking, probably a little less holier than what Moses was thinking and probably what you guys are thinking. But I would be like, wow, thanks, God. Thanks for setting me up for failure. I just can't wait. I love doors being slammed in my face. I love when people are coming against me. It's my favorite thing in the whole world. And so he's probably was thinking a little less you know, evil like I am, because, you know, I am evil. I decorated already for Christmas, so. Um, but maybe you guys are much holier than me, too, and you were just like, thanks, God, for letting me know that. But I'm not, I guess, that holy. But anyway, so God is like, he does something here that I didn't realize until I read this multiple times, and it was that he tells Moses the end of the story. And a lot of times in the Bible, if you read the Bible and you read different stories, Jonah didn't know that he was going to be eaten by a whale. Jonah didn't know what the end of the story was. Jonah didn't know that the people were going to be saved at the end of that story. God didn't tell Joseph when he was having his dreams that, guess what, Joseph, you're going to be accused of rape and thrown in prison, but don't worry because I'm going to use it to save the, the people, your people. He didn't tell him the end. He just got the, where he was at. 
And a lot of the times, that's what God does to us. He gives us a mission. He gives us a, a job to do. And so we're doing our job. And a lot of the times, we run into walls. We run into hard hearts. We run into things that keep us from doing what God has called us to do. We run into those things that rob us of our boldness. And as we go through this passage today, I just want to remind us of the thing that Pastor Anthony talked about a few weeks ago about our boldness and how we need to be bold, how we are called to be a church, a bold church, a bold people. And I think that God is just hammering this into us. Maybe you're like me and need a couple extra times of hearing it. But um, we have a purpose. And sometimes when we're running into those pharaohs or running into those hard hearts, we lose our purpose. And here, but God is telling Moses, Maybe Moses is like me because God's like, listen, it's going to suck, Moses, but don't worry because I've got a plan. All right. I hate this mic. All right. Okay. He's like, don't worry because I have a plan. I know it's going to get hard, but remember what I said. I'm going to jump over to Isaiah real quick. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. So this is God saying this. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So a lot of the times we are going through something, something's happening, we don't know, because God has a plan. Like I'm going to be hitting home a lot today, is God has the final word in the story. God's word will come to pass, and his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and sometimes it seems like we're going through that mud and that clay, and we can't get out, or we're running into walls, or hard hearts, or there's snakes surrounding us, but God's ways are higher than our ways, and sometimes we have to just press through and be faithful with what he's called us to do. In verse 3, it talks about how, I'm just going to read it, it says, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders, though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land. And so here he's saying, I'm going to do miracles, Moses. I'm going to do great things. I'm going to bring judgment, but by the time this is done, they're going to know who I am. They're going to know who I am. And some of us today are maybe pushing through thinking that what you're doing doesn't matter and where you're at doesn't matter and whatever God has you doing right now isn't making a difference because you can't see the miracle. You can't see how your story is touching other people. You can't see how your faithfulness is blessing that person that you don't even know is watching. And so today I want to encourage you, stay faithful. Be faithful. Um, some of you guys know this, some of you don't, that many, many, many years ago when I first started coming to Fellowship Church, I started as a youth pastor. And can I just tell you that Youth pastors are a gift from God because youth group, <laughs> one wise mentor of mine, youth pastor I was, was alongside of me, told me one time is that it is the hardest thing to do youth ministry because you don't know. You just have them for a minute. You just have them for a little bit of time, and you don't know what's going to happen on the other end. And so there was years and years poured into these students, into this youth ministry that God had called me to do. And Many hard hearts, many snakes, many things we hit our heads against. I saw kids that God specifically had a word for. I saw them fall into lives of drugs and alcoholism and gangs and violence and death. And it's, been, it's hard. Youth group is hard. Youth ministry is hard, you guys. We need to be praying for our youth pastors, our youth leaders, our youth workers. It is hard. 
And they just have this short minute to pour in everything that God has for them to pour in. And as a youth, when you're working with the, this generation and, and youth and young adults and things like that, you want to just give them everything that God has given you. And you just want to kind of like vomit it out as fast as you can because you don't have much time. You don't have a lot of time with them. And you want to get them strong and built up and encouraged and get ready for battle that they're going to face. And when they leave your youth group, when they turn a senior and you kick them out nicely, um, and you're like, you can't be here anymore. Um, but when you do that, you feel this like, oh, man, I hope I did enough. I hope I said the right things. I hope I shared enough for them. I hope they're strong enough. And um, But over the last three years, as I was preparing this message, God just reminded me, over the last three years, I've had different students come to this church, back to this church, and share about how different leaders had poured into them, how different pivotal acts in youth, uh, youth like changed their trajectory or brought them to a place when they were struggling. They remembered that one thing or they remembered what God had called them to uh, many, many years ago. And so it's just really cool because of the faithfulness of my youth team that I had, the faithfulness of the youth leaders, the sacrifices that they made, God is still in their story. God isn't done with their story. And so I just want to encourage you guys today is that God isn't done with your grandkids' story, your children's story, your story. God's not done with your story until you are under the ground dead. Okay? That's when our story ends, is when we're dead. Okay? But then it's a new story because we're in heaven with Christ. Another message. But just so you know, we're not done until we, are, we stop breathing. We need to be heart passionate, following after God, everything that we are, throwing in everything that we have until our last breath. Um, Exodus uh, 7-4 says, Pharaoh, he's, so God's telling him, Pharaoh's not going to listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the people out of Israel from among them. And then it says, and then Moses and Aaron did what God told them to do. But I was reading this in verse 4, and, it, and I just want to see if you guys catch this. It says, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts. God's packing. He's like, I'm bringing my army. I'm coming, and I'm going to bring my army, and I'm going to lay my judgment out on these people. I am coming. They will know who I am. God shows up, period. Not question mark. He didn't say, going to bring my host. He was like, I'm bringing my army. I'm bringing my host. I'm bringing everything that I have, and I'm going to lay my hand out, and, I'm, and Egypt's going to know who I am. They're going to know that I am the Lord. They're going to know who I am. They're going to know my name, period. And I just thought about that, and I was like, oh, I would hate to be God's enemy. I would hate for him to be, like, against me, and I would hate to be on the wrong side. And then he reminded me of Romans 5.8. He's so great. It says, but God, showing his love for us, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we, were, that we are reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Spoiler alert, we were enemies of God. 
His wrath was against us. If we had our hearts hardened toward him and we weren't living our life according to what Christ has called us to, we are at ought with God. We are Pharaoh. If we are rejecting Jesus and his free gift of salvation, we are Pharaoh. We are hard-hearted. Our hearts are against God. And we, it's not that he wants us to be enemies. He wants us to come in and to receive him. But we are choosing to reject him, just like Pharaoh did. And so when I read that, I was like, oh, I guess I need to be a little more humble. Thanks for that. Um, but just remembering that God showed his love for us while we were sinners. And it just reminded me that having grace and compassion for those who are still not at the place of accepting Christ and how there's so many out there, families, friends, people I know, people I care about, people I love, who have hardened their heart, and it's so sad. But am I doing anything about it? Or am I just like, oh, that's so sad. No, I'm not. I'm not praying. I'm not on my face before God. I'm not crying out to him. I'm not, you know, if I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be real here. I'm not doing those things. I need to be doing those things. I need to be crying out to God because if, if I'm not crying out to him, then, then I am part of the problem. What is the point if we're not reaching those that are lost and that are dying? What is the point? Exodus 7. We're going to move along. It's fun stuff, guys. I know. Hang in there. Um, now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Some of you guys already know where I'm going with this. But as I was reading this passage, I just thought about this dear, amazing guy who used to help in our youth group. His name was Brant Kennedy. He was 80 years old or older. I don't even know how old he was, actually. I think he lied to me several times just so he could go to youth group. I know for a fact he lied to me one time after he had heart surgery or he was going to have heart surgery so that he could go play paintball. That was fun. His grandson, he told me not to tell you. I don't care. Anyways. Back to where I was away. Okay, some of you guys know where I'm going with this. If you have breath in your lungs, you are not done doing God's work. If you have breath in your lungs, you are not done doing God's work. And some of us need to get off of our butts and start getting on our knees and praying for this generation. Have we seen what's happening? Have you looked and seen what's going on? Moses was 80 years old, and he just started his ministry at 80 years old. And he went through the desert, and you, some of you guys know that story, but it's crazy. He just started, and it wasn't going to get easier. It was going to get harder. And he didn't even see the promised land. He didn't even get to see the, well, he saw it. He didn't get to go into it. But I just am here to tell you guys and encourage you guys that we need your wisdom. Hey, 55-plus seniors, we need, I want your wisdom. I need your mentorship. I need your prayers. I need you to be holding my hands up when I can't hold them up anymore. Pastor Anthony needs to be holding your, he needs us to hold his hands up when he can't hold them up anymore. Our youth leaders, our youth pastors need us to hold their arms up when they can't hold them up any longer. And we need to be praying for this generation. But I want to tell you something. We need to do more than just pray for this generation. We need to step out for this generation. And we need to step in the gaps for the fatherless, for the motherless, for the grandparentless. We need to start stepping in the gaps for these kids and these students that are 
literally so hungry that are flocking to the altar because they just want to see an act of God and we're not standing up and we're not supporting them and we're not being the church that God has called us to be and I am tired of seeing that. I am tired of seeing these students that are starving to death because we are being lazy, because we are afraid to step up, because we are being selfish and I know this seems hard and I'm not sorry for saying it because I know God is calling you right now and saying it is time. It is time to step up for our kids. It is time to step up for our youth group. It is time to get out of our seats and get on our knees and say, God, what do you want from me? I'm tired. I'm tired of seeing these kids hungry. My heart is literally in pieces after I see these kids that don't have families, that don't have people that love them. Well, they have people that love them, but they don't have people to support them. I've seen student after student after student whose parents would be mock them, be angry with them, make fun of them, and they were like, I don't care. I just want to go to church. I just want to go to church. Where's our commitment, our passion? And I don't want to hear, oh, they're younger. They can do it. It's not going to cut it anymore, guys. We need to be investing in this generation. We need to have the, the, the tenacity that Moses and Aaron had that said, even though the hearts are hard, I'm going to go. Even though the hearts are hard, I'm going to push in. Even though the hearts are hard, I'm going to kick down the door because hell is hot and real and awful, and people are going there if I don't step in and I don't step up. All right. But I want to encourage you, especially seniors, we need you. I need you. This generation needs you. You're not done. You're not finished. I know you may seem tired, but God is here to say, I will give you the strength to push through. I will give you the strength. He's saying to Ladina, 40-somethings, I will give you the strength to push through because they need us. If you have somebody that's younger than you, they need you to be stepping in the gap for them. They don't only need you, they want you. They want that. Um, Exodus 7, 18 through 13 says, that The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, prove yourself by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said would happen. And so here's that picture of what I see, Queens of Egypt, you know, they're dancing and singing. You're playing with the big boys now. And um, Moses goes and says, hey, let my people go. And they do this. He's like, prove it. Prove you're talking to God. Prove it's a, prove this is a miracle. Do a miracle. Show me. Have you met people like that? Prove it. Prove it. And so Moses is like, okay. So they do this miracle. And uh, Pharaoh says, oh, I have people that can do the same thing. So they do this trick and becomes a snake. But, but Aaron's staff eats both of their snakes. There was more than one. From the beginning of time, Satan has been trying to counterfeit God's miracles. 
he is trying to counterfeit what God has done from the very beginning. If you look throughout the Bible, he does it now. We think about this, and you think about just the little ways that um, just different cults that are part of our world today, just like, yeah, we believe in Jesus, but he was, you know, Satan's brother, or we believe in meditating, but it's all about praying to yourself and making yourself stronger. But in the Bible, God's like, meditate on me, pray to me. And then you think about, you know, just different religions and cults that are like, but Jesus wasn't really who he said he was, but you have good morals. So it like mimics, you know, Christianity or mimics miracles or mimics the things of God, but it like twists the truth a little, just a little bit enough to get people confused, to get people caught up because Satan is of confusion. God is not a God of confusion. He is a God of clarity and of truth. And in first Peter, it says five, eight through nine, it says, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, resist him firm in your faith knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood against the world. So here, they're saying, watch out, be careful, because the enemy, the devil is real, guys. It's not some fairy tale make-believe joke thing. He's real, and he is trying to steal, to kill, to destroy. And he's roaring, he's prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking people he can devour, seeking people he can grab. And hold on to and snatch from what God has. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that I have my, may have life and have it abundantly. What did Jesus say here? He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But what do I do? I come that, I'm, that they may have life and have it half-heartedly, have it partially. That's not what he said. He said, have it abundantly. And in 1 John 3, 8, it says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came, to destroy the works of the devil. One of the reasons. But it says that the devil has been sinning from the beginning, the very beginning. And so in, like in 1 John 3, it says, The Son of God, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, and that was what God was showing Pharaoh when Aaron's snake ate his. That, hey, guess what? I write this story. I'm going to end this story. What I say will happen is going to happen. Your heart can be a stone, but it doesn't matter because I am God, and I can move mountains. I created them. God's not going to let the devil win. He's not going to have the final say. And I know you may be at a place where you feel like he's winning, or maybe you feel like you don't have anywhere you can go, um, but just sticking in that mud and that clay. But I want to say that God's here today, and he wants for you to be delivered. He wants deliverance. He doesn't want us to stay stuck. He doesn't want us to stay where we're at. He wants to push us to go further. Because when we are able to stand with that boldness, step out in faith, then lives do get changed because God's power is in us. We have the greatest power living within us. We, God can use us to do many great things. And so um, we're going to read a scripture as we finish up here. But I know it seems doom and gloom, guys. Listen, I'm sorry. Well, I'm not sorry. I'm working on that, apologizing. Um, 
But I just want us to be encouraged because God is here and he's like, I feel like every week telling us sometimes the same things. He's like, be bold, work out in faith, don't give up when it's hard. And we need that encouragement. But I'm more of like, let's get it done. It's time. It's time to step up. It's time to start walking in the things that God has called us to walk in. So 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9, I'm going to read through it. It says, but, I, but understand this, that in the last days there will, come, become, there, will, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, so encouraging, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. It's kind of like that counterfeit thing we were talking about. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into your households, capture weak women, burdened, burdened with sin, and led astray by various passions. Always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth. Just as Janus and Jambers opposed Moses, those are the sorcerers from back in Exodus, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in the mind, disqualified regarding the faith. But this is where it gets exciting. They will not go far. Their folly will be plain to, to all as those two men just like those two men who wanted to mimic and to try to counterfeit what God did, they didn't go very far because that snake just ate them right up, gobbled them right up. I think it's safe to say that we're kind of here. Our world is here. If you read that passage, it's like, yep, we're just like making this check. Mark. Yep, 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 this is happening. Lovers of self, yep, yep. This is not listening to parents. Yep, yep, that's happening. No. But we're there, guys. We're there. And it's been there for a long time. I just think it's getting steeper and steeper and worse. The worship team's going to come, and we're going to wrap this up today. And as we do that, I just want to point out in verse 9, it says, But they will not get far, because their folly will be plain to all. Just like the serpent, which represent God, consumed the other serpent. Just like he snatched that, those lies. God will have the last word, period. God will have the last say, period. People will know who God is, period. But how does this work with us? And first, before we even get started with the other stuff, I want to address the biggest thing is that if your life is not surrendered to Christ right now, you're at, you're at odds with God, not because God wants it that way, but because your heart is hardened and it, you're choosing to be separated from him. So as we get ready again to go into the song, I just want to put it out there, and I just want to give you guys opportunity that if you're here today and you don't know who Christ is, and you were like, hey, I am hard-hearted. I, my, I my heart is like a rock. I don't want to be anything toward God. I am opposed to what he's saying. I am not serving him. I am not following him. And you know what? That is not okay. You know, my, I feel it. I feel it in here. I'm like, I need to make a change. The Bible says that if you 
believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth, then you will be saved. What does that look like? God, I can't do this on my own. I need you to come into my life. I believe you are who you said you are. I believe you were born of a virgin. I believe that you died on a cross. I believe that you rose again on the third day. I believe that you are God. The Bible says you're saved. Then the fun work begins. Just one thing, one step after another. But I want to invite you guys to take that next step. And as we uh, sing this song, I want to invite our pastors to come up front because if you need prayer for anything, you need to get your butt up here <laughs> and get prayer. I'm just saying. If you're like, I have been lazy in doing what God's called me to do, right here. We want to pray for you. If you're like, I am in mud and clay and I'm stuck and I can't move, space for you right here, right up front. Because what's the significance of that? You're like unashamedly boldness, like, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And we want to pray for you because we know that our God is a God of deliverance and our God is a God who is faithful. And we want to support you and we want to be there for you. So I want to encourage you today, if you are struggling in those ways, get up here. We want to pray for you. Maybe today you're surrounded by counterfeits and you just don't know what's real. Maybe you're like struggling with what is truth? What is real? What is real? Uh, we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. We want to support you. We want to walk together with you. That is what Fellowship Church, Almost Free Church, is going to be about. We are walking in freedom, guys. We're not walking bound by sin and chains. We are able to walk in freedom. We are able to walk in truth. And we want to be a community of believers who get around each other, support each other, pray for each other, and be there for each other. So, God, would you just release us to do what you want us to do, God? I pray that as we close out this service, God, that we don't leave it the same. God, I pray that we will get off our butts and get on our knees, God, and pray for those who are dying and stand in the gap and just be, sign up for things. Sign up to help in youth group. I don't care if we're 100. Sign up. We need you. We need you. The youth needs you. The church needs you. The people of this country, city, community need you. So, God, would you put a passion and a burden and a fire in our hearts again, God? Maybe it's gone out. Maybe we feel like we're not needed or we're not wanted or we're not, we're just not, but we don't have any purpose. Re relight that fire. God, give those dreams. Give those purposes. Give those passions. God, give us passion again for what you have for us. We just thank you, God, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.